I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. Wonk, honk. I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270 a fan. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. Uh-oh. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. I am most certainly not Tim Graham. In fact, I probably have 10% of the talent of Tim Graham, but I'll try anyway for two hours this afternoon. I'm Mike Rodak of ESPN.com, the usual co-host of this esteemed radio program, and I'm here in studio with Jerry Sullivan, who has been gracious enough to stop by and provide me with some company, along with our... uh, Excellent, esteemed, venerable, you pick the adjective, producer. Venerable and comparable. Yeah. Well, I have 11% That's of Tim's of talent, but yeah. I can bring the lumber. Well, you know, uh, you know, you know if we had thought about this, we could have done the we'd done the, the new poll today. Who's hated more, you or me? We should oh, have. You want to put I it mean, up? I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Reveal the results. <laughs> we'll get some results. It's been, what, two years since I beat him? I think it was about 50, Just 54, about. 46. It was yeah. a pretty solid you know, win. In the, and you, I won the Electoral College, too. <laughs> was that a yeah, Joe Licata poll? I think it was. was there that. Yep. That was a Joe. That was actually through Joe Lakata. Just not Joe Lakata. So it's a, it's last a kind week. of a referendum on how much disdain you've accumulated in two more years. You know. Well, I mean, I'm hoping I'd... to to shake some of it off if I can. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> sometimes it's it's good to have a little stain people. on your record. Maybe some or people disdain. have forgotten to hate me. Well, I don't think they've forgotten you though. That's the good thing because you're like, still in the airwaves every morning. I nine am. Nine to twelve. I am I'm bringing it. In fact, and. Pretty pretty hard, pretty tough on the local teams, yeah. you know, okay. like you are. Tough on the Pagulas, you know. Heaven forbid anybody to be tough on them. Yeah, they're so successful. Well, it's certainly a a busy week around here in Buffalo. We have the UB men out in Tulsa waiting their opponent based on tonight's game between Arizona State and St. John's coming to you at nine ten. That's gonna be a good one. And True TV. So, they'll of course, decide. Who plays on, on Friday afternoon? That'll be a 4 o'clock game on TNT. Very possible matchup between Nate Oates and his mentor okay. or his, Ooh, the man who Bobby hired Hurley. him, Bobby Hurley. So we have that. Like I said, we have Jerry in studio. We'll have Jonah Bronstein, our typical jack-of-all-trades in studio. He will be calling in at 420 from Tulsa. Oh, he knows his hoops. Exactly. He's out there. Covering it all. And uh, we also have Damon, head men's basketball coach, Mike McDonald, in studio for the second hour, 5 o'clock. That man knows his hoops, too. Yeah. Former Canisius and Badai coach. And just led Damon to their first appearance in the Division Two tournament. Unfortunately, they lost over the weekend up in New Hampshire to the University of New Haven. But he'll be in studio to talk some brackets. And then... In the second hour of the show, we'll have Jeremiah Searles, the offensive lineman for the Bills, uh, who played at Nebraska. And he and one of his former Nebraska teammates, who is now with the Bills as well, Spencer Long, are organizing a fundraiser, a dinner tomorrow night in Nebraska to benefit uh, and to support a lot of the victims of, of the flooding out there, yeah. which has made That's you awesome. know national news. So we'll talk about them and 
uh, with them and about some of the, the good things that they're doing. And also ho- hoping to have the executive director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, on the phone uh, later in the show. He just joined ESPN today as an NFL draft analyst, and hopefully we can talk a little Tyree Jackson before our two hours are up. But, of course, you can catch us on the airwaves, 1270, and on the app, on the Sports Radio 1270, the fan app. And if you want to call in and harass me, (laughs) 716-270-1270, call in. You got me, you got Sully, you got plenty against us i'm sure and we'll be glad to hear it so It'd be a field day if you want it to be yeah, bobby Rosati too. if you have something against bobby Rosati, maybe you do i don't know you, you could be <laughs> association i mean right on. oh right it, the people could probably consider me very close with you guys right as i do so. do, you, do you walk down the street and do people ask like why are you working with rodak everyone's occasionally i'm usually associated with jerry because of the uh, show but the new england thing with you and i doesn't help so yeah you know well that makes sense you know i'm <laughs> I'm not the one wearing the Patriots. Oh, doing exactly. in this, uh, the Patriots thing. People, yeah, people put my uh, physical traits of what I wear and stuff on the Rodak, whereas right. he, he's just the intellectual. I'm the fan. So well, if if one of our listeners walked into the studio and I saw a Patriots backpack sitting <laughs> on the desk there, they'd probably assume it's mine, right. but it's not. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> I don't own a Patriots backpack. I don't own anything that's Patriots. So. Yeah. They think I'm a Patriots fan too. I get the go back to New England thing all the time, and just heaven When's, forbid I should praise them for right. being the greatest organization in history. Yeah, that means I must be a fan. Yeah, well, I don't really like them as people, and you know, look what happened with Robert Kraft. I don't like their politics. They're, they're boring, and Brady happens to be the greatest quarterback of all time. What that are you was do? an awful Super Bowl to watch, but yeah. luckily that is uh, a couple months behind us, and. <laughs> What is in front of us is this game tonight, as we mentioned, St. John's and Arizona State. We heard from Nate Oates yesterday who said it's not ideal for him to play Bobby Hurley as much as UB fans seem to be cheering on the possibility of that happening. I I think the better scenario for UB might actually be St. John's winning. I've seen St. John's play. They've played against my alma mater in Providence in the Big East twice a year, and I don't think they're as impressive as ASU, which I saw. I watched them play when they beat Kansas, I believe it was, back in December. And, you know, they certainly have the potential to to win some games. So, Sully, let me throw this one at you. Does UB really want Arizona State in this game? I, I don't think they care who they play. I don't think Arizona State is that good. I don't think they're that deep. And I think Buffalo believes they've beaten better teams. And they just want to play. Um, I don't know if they'd rather want St. John's. Uh, they're the they're the favorite, and they feel like the favorite. They felt like the favorite last year going to Arizona, which is ridiculous. But they expected to win that game. Um, on the other hand, it's a six eleven game. It'll probably be a two point three point spread. It's amazing how close the spreads are. Um, if they play their game, uh, they wear teams down, and they're the stronger team in the last eight minutes. If they make shots, they win. Uh, but it's the NCAA tournament. I mean, pff, look, look what's happened over the years. Um, here's my stat of the day. In the last five years, the two, the number two seeds, all right? They t- people tend to just pencil them right through the Sweet 16. They're 10 and 10. I mean, they're they've 20 of them have made the Sweet 16 10 times, exactly half. Half of them didn't even make the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. And some of them lost their first game, so... 
this bracket, you know, you see the experts, uh, you know, the, the big shots like Billis and those guys go up there and they pencil the one and the two and they tell us who's going to be in there. And, and then they never they never predict or even tell us how. Well, Michigan State might actually lose to Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Look out for They don't know that much about these other teams. Right. They're so, you know, focused in on the majors who control the money. And even and Billis did say it's about the money that they tend to just shill for, for major powers. And that's one of the yeah. reasons to root against them. Well, I mean, just not to defile my own company, but I mean, we all know <laughs> how much Zion and, and Duke is is out there in the national scene, and how much they're pumped up. And mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, that watch Virginia last year lose to UMBC. I mean, we, like you said, we don't know these these lesser teams. I think a lot of people don't know UB either. So, I mean, people in Buffalo filling out their brackets are going to probably put UB to the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, beating either Texas Tech or, or Northern Kentucky in the second round. I think a lot of people around here will do that. But nationally, I don't know what the, the vibe is. I think there is certainly some hype in, in some circles. I think Jay Billis is probably among the people who are giving them more of a chance than others. But I think there's still some people who say they're a mid-major. We don't know much about them, and right. we're not giving them much of a shot. So, Sully, what was your your reaction when – you saw they were a six seed. I know. Look, a lot of people predict them, predicted them to be a six seed. I think Nate Oates was kind of pushing for them to be higher. I think you can make the argument that if a thirty-win Gonzaga team is a number one seed, why should a thirty-one-win UB team be a six seed? But well, the Zags played much better competition, and you you get punished for who you don't beat because you can't play them. That's basically what it is. So we right. never really know. Which of these teams are legitimately very good and the equal of the third, fourth teams in major conference are the ones that really are just a product of being in bad leagues? I think Buffalo is the former. They're legitimate. I think they would be the fourth or fifth best team in one of those big leagues. And five SET, I think it's five ACC teams are seated ahead of them and five teams, I think, from the Big Ten. But you get the point. It's like the committee says, we know you're 31-3. and three. But we, but your league is not good enough, and you didn't play enough big games for us to seed you ahead of these five. And there's no way around that. It just you just can't beat it unless you win all your games. They almost had to be perfect. I, and I checked, and I've been doing this for years, and I knew the answer. But I went through the whole thing anyway. I had time. I checked the entire Mid American Conference schedule. Not one of them played a home game against a major power. Period. Mm-hmm. You could, I, I'm not sure anyone in the A10 did. Once in a while, one of them will play that. You know, Villanova and LaSalle or somebody. Other than that, they never play them at home. So now, how are you going to win these games? You can go there. Buffalo went to Marquette, and they lost. And yep. the kids went for 43. They, they lost. They, they're, and they're a five seed because they got that game at home, basically, and they play in a major conference. So right. I, it's a long way of saying that I thought they would be a five. I thought mm-hmm. they were more closer to the four or five line than the five, six line. But I was not surprised. I've seen this. Too many times. The voters tend to – they voted them 15. They, I think they know more than the committee. Mm-hmm. Jeff Goodman, you know, national guy, yeah. told us he voted them sixth early in the year. He has seen Buffalo, and he thinks they really are that good. Mm-hmm. But you get punished for, you know, playing teams like Toledo and Central Michigan and Eastern Michigan and instead of beating, you know, Kansas State and teams like that in, in Florida. Yeah. Now, well, with it, someone, uh, you know, 
sent me a thing. Oh, you really you think they'd be thirty one and the three in the ACC? Thirty one and three in the ACC? Of course not. No, no one was thirty one and no. three in the, in the ACC. Right. That's not the point. The point is Virginia Tech was twenty four and eight mm-hmm. in this. They lost eight games and they're a four seed. And I think if you be played in the ACC, they probably would have been twenty four and eight mm-hmm. or or twenty three and nine, and they would have gotten a four or five seed because of who they played. Even though they lost more games, so what you can't. They don't play. They get punished for games they cannot play. That's all. So there's a there's a there's a segment of of not of. What am I saying here? Mm-hmm. You you can't know what didn't happen. Right. So so they always right. have to err right. on the side of well the major schools are in bigger conferences they have better players so they're better. That's the only thing we we it's the only thing we're gonna we can't go on the eye mm-hmm. test. We can't just say I think they're better. With a team with Gonzaga, it's easier because they did play. They beat Duke, right? And that's the reason why you can't, they're you can't one complain seed. about a six. It's the highest seed ever for the Mid American. It's the highest seed for a, one of our teams since Bob Lanier. It's a fifty mm-hmm. years ago. Yep. So we should be happy with a six. Well, when it, when does that change? When does that stigma change? You know what I mean? I know I know you have to build the pro. You have to build the uh, conference up. But how how do you? It will never change. It just they never. They don't have get, to move up. The major conference the team. teams don't You're just going to have to get out of that conference. Right. The major conference team. Here's how the season goes. Early in the year, they might play a home game. They'll play some home games against real bad teams. They'll then they'll go to one of these tournaments in Hawaii or something and play. And they might even play a Mid American team. Neutral site games. Those happen. Mm. Then they'll play a bunch more home games. Then on January 1st, they'll go play a road game in their conference. It will be their first true road game of the entire season in January. It happens all the time. Yep. And then they go through their season, and then they play 18. The, the teams are playing more conference games now, which makes it worse. They're playing tournaments now, mm-hmm. which gets you up to 20 games. And, like, what happens there? At that point, the UBs of the world have no way of playing these games. And all we do is watch UB get punished for their schedule, and then the other team, even when they're losing five or six times, some of these teams, Oklahoma's nine of 13. Nine <laughs> of 13, they're an eight seed. They're a nine seed. But a nine seed with nine Still. of 13, and they were seven and 11 in their league, they got credit for losing games because of who they played. All right. Does it matter? At it's the not going to change, though. If they're a five or a six, given the bracket and given the history with some of these teams in these certain seeds, does it really matter at the end of the day? If there are four or five or six, it doesn't matter a lot. In this case, it's the difference between maybe playing Florida State or Texas Tech. Right. Flip a coin. I don't. I haven't watched enough games to know who's better there. They're major conference teams with a ton of wins who are like third or fourth in their league. And when you're six or a seven, you end up playing one of those. In the it doesn't really matter that much. Right. And and Oates wasn't mad really. What he told his team in February was, "We have to keep winning and we have to win big. We cannot be an eight. Or a nine. Because mm-hmm. then you get the one. Right. And he didn't want to be the seven either. As I said, half the time they don't get to the Sweet 16, but he didn't want to play a two either because that would have been Kentucky. He specifically told his players, this is Nato's. He's, and he told us on the radio. He wasn't afraid of saying he's looking ahead past the first yeah. NCAA game. He said, "We don't." I told my guys, you, if you don't want to play Kentucky, you gotta, you can't lose. And they, yeah. ran, the, they ran the table. They've lost twelve. In, they've won twelve or eleven in a row after starting the season, winning eleven in a row. That's pretty good. Yeah, they're hard to beat. We could argue that I'd rather be UB with a six seed playing Texas Tech in the second round and Michigan potentially in the Sweet Sixteen than being, let's say, a five seed in the Midwest, which Auburn is, 
and they have New Mexico State in the first round. It's that 12-5 matchup you always want to avoid. They would have Kansas in the second round, and they would have North Carolina in the Sweet 16. I mean, great for Nate Oates. If he can run through Kansas and North Carolina, then somebody's going to pay the $750,000 buyout in his new contract, and he's going to be driving a Bentley somewhere. No, you do you do avoid the one when you drop below the four or five. Yeah, I mean you, you avoid you have to play them. You don't play them as soon. What you get is a three earlier than you know. Plus, then, well, in this case, Kansas would be playing in the second round, but I don't know. Like you'd have Michigan and UB as it stands in Anaheim, which there's gonna be Michigan fans there, but it's not like you're playing in somewhere close, Louisville, let's say. I mean, it's that's an ideal scenario versus having to play a one seed, which is probably slotted closer to home right. than the two seed is going to be. Um, so that's that's an advantage to being a six seed and uh, in, in having that two seed on your, your docket. So Yeah, you do want to avoid uh, North Carolina and Duke early. As I, I, in 20 of the last yeah. 23 years, 20 of 23, one of them has played at home in the first – or in South Carolina – or well, North Carolina in the first two games. It's like tell me about it's unbelievable. The Friars, a couple the years Friars ago, Friars probably played they them had there. To play North Carolina in the first round in Charlotte, I want to say, or Raleigh, yeah. one of those. Char- Charlotte, Raleigh, Winston Salem, all those cities have hosted it. Right, and you don't think the people that run this thing and look, the biggest draw in this thing is usually Duke. Mm-hmm. Zion Williamson is a superstar right now. People want to watch him, and you don't think that when they get together and award these sites and keep giving them North Carolina, they're protecting their marquee teams for television. Yep. And Syracuse is often gets in when they shouldn't, and they always play at Friday night at ten o'clock. That's for TV. You can you can lock that in, and you don't see these teams playing the same time as their women. By the way, no. There's <laughs> well, one other school doing that. I think it's K State. No one cares about Manhattan, Kansas. Right. They care about Manhattan, New York City. Right. Of course, UB is playing at four o'clock on Friday, and then UB I, women are playing. I at think four thirty, which. It seems like they were downplaying that. UB was a little bit as far as that being a, uh, not a disadvantage, but a less than ideal situation for fans. But Is that just being uh, diplomatic? Probably. Or is that, I mean, that, that's that got to piss you off, right? Yeah. Especially as the women's. I mean, the men could probably give her. Well, I don't know if you guys watched the, the second half of the selection show when they had, is it Kevin White, the father of Danny White? Yeah. Make sure you're getting names so, yeah. right there. And was talking about why UB was seeded the sixth seed, and, and Kevin White essentially said, "Well, I'm biased when I'm talking about UB," and I assumed it to mean that he's biased against them because of what happened with his son. I don't know oh, enough about the right. situation, and well, I, his yeah, son left for a better job. And right, there's nothing wrong with that. His son gets a lot of credit for the for the people he's hired here. Then there's the know. stories that come out, and they mm-hmm. claim it's always a coincidence. Like it's just a coincidence, Rick, Richard Patino. Is going up against Louisville, yeah, or on. and even even you can you see the 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 thing with Nate Oates maybe with Bobby Hurley, but how about Bobby Hurley and Chris Mullen coaching yeah. against each other? I watched those guys play in college. That's how old I am. That's kind of cool. And one of them goes through, and then uh, it is a coincidence, I guess. But if they meet in the regionals, it would be Buffalo's B line against Buffalo. That's kind of cool. I saw that as well. I I doubt that they would go that deep right. as far as planning it out, but. I mean, the, the Minnesota-Louisville thing, That as soon as I saw that come on the, the TV, I was like rolling my eyes. I mean, come on. That, that was too obvious, and I think that was probably forced more than anything else. But I don't know. I, I don't mind it. I, I would like to watch a Nate Oates-Bobby Hurley game. That would be great. 
And I think a lot of fans would. I'm just not sure that that UB would. So, well, then would be all showing clips of Bobby Hurley and Leitner, you know, back in the day, and mm-hmm. Hurley throwing up that time, and yeah, uh, against uh, Arkansas. Was it against Arkansas? I don't know. But, yeah. uh, well, and they'll show, and he's a nut on the sidelines. Hurley, Hurley hey, rides right. the officials. Yeah. Arkansas just ran through my Friars last night in an embarrassing performance in the NIT. I'm going to tell you I didn't watch and Not a big NIT guy. Well, I think they weren't either. It was a complete lack of effort. It was inexcusable, but I went to bed angry and upset. So No, in the 60s it meant something. Providence. Jimmy Walker. And Jimmy Walker played. Guys, yeah. He lost a game to, I believe, uh, SI Southern Illinois with Clyde mm-hmm. Frazier. Not bad. Well, we'll have more NIT talk and NCAA talk coming up next on the Tim Graham Show. Project it. Act like if you own it. Smile for the... 1270, The Fan. I really hear voices in my head. Yes, we all hear voices in our head. I can hear the voices in my head again. Sports Radio 1270, 1270. The Fan. And on The Fan's app. Free to download in the App Store. Now back to the Tim Graham Show. I like this song. Yeah. Got that saxophone? Yes. Live yeah. saxophone, too. Nice little jazz. Start up our second segment here on the Tim Graham Show without Tim Graham. I'm Mike Rodak, your typical co host who is just trying to live up to part of, of Tim Graham's legend in this chair. Here with Jerry Sullivan. We're just talking about Boise last year, some of the, uh, the goings on out there when the the Bulls were out there at the uh, the tournament, and a similarly, uh, I'm gonna say obscure city, but not exactly a, a bustling <laughs> metropolis, I would right. imagine, in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But luckily, we have our our own man, Mister 1099, as I like to call him, <laughs> That's right. Jonah Bronstein, the company from the line or on the line from Tulsa. Jonah, how is the weather? Uh, well, it's uh, it's about 71 degrees and tepid here in my hotel room, which I haven't really left since I got in a couple hours ago. Tepid. But it's <laughs> a little bit more like spring. Uh, Any flooding conditions? I never the- mentioned that it was spring, and I said, you know what? You're right. I haven't seen spring in a while up in Buffalo, and it looks like spring down here. You're right. Well, And if there's no floods or hurricanes or tornadoes in the Midwest, you're doing okay, right? It's tepid. Yeah, well, let's hope. Let's, it's tepid. <laughs> Well, like I said, it's not its not exactly a, a destination city for UB fans if you're trying to get to a tournament game. So, I don't know, like you said, you've, you've been in your hotel room, but maybe in the airport or just in the hotel or around, what sort of scene is there for Buffalo fans? Are there any? Is there anybody out there? Is there any sort of vibe uh, that there could be some sort of a crowd on, on Friday afternoon? Well, you know, I'm looking out my window and I don't see a single person anywhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it's a little early. I don't, I don't think a lot of the fans have got here yet or a lot of people are arriving today. You do see a lot of signs. Uh, the team is staying at a different hotel, and I've seen pictures on their social media of how they've been welcomed by the hotel staff and the NCAA workers here. I think there'll be a bit of a vibe. I, I do agree with what you're saying. There were other cities, Columbus, Hartford, Closer to Buffalo, there were maybe other cities that people would be more willing to take uh, the trip for because it was a you know, San Jose because it could be a little bit of a vacation. 
I think if you were to maybe power rank the eight sites for the first round and where Buffalo and its fans <laughs> wanted to go, Tulsa would come in pretty low. But, hey, maybe this is a, uh, a bracket buster, kind of like Boise was. I didn't go last year, but I heard everybody that went liked it a lot more. Maybe Jerry can confirm this. Enjoyed the city a lot more than they were expecting to. And I think that could happen here. Yeah, I found they had bars, so that helped. Uh, and beer in the uh, cooler in the in the Marriott. But it's not exactly a bunch of Paris's out there. Jacksonville, I've been there. Worst Super Bowl ever. Columbus, Ohio, I've been there. Eh. Hartford. Ugh. Man, look at some of these sites. I, Tulsa might be top four. Des Moines, really? Yeah. Tulsa Salt Lake, si- Salt Lake City, run. you know, with everyone's white and rich. Don't thank you. So uh, you're doing okay. Columbia, South Carolina, what do I know about Columbia? be warm. Warm is probably And, of course, Duke is there because Duke or North Carolina must be playing in North or South Carolina every year in the first round. It's a rule. It's in their charter. Yeah. Well, same question I posed to Sully before was, you know, what do you think about this six seed and what do you think about UB's path going forward to the Sweet 16, which would be in Anaheim, might I add. L.A. is probably not a bad place to travel for a, uh, a Sweet 16 game. Yeah, it gets better if they keep going. I, I think if the ultimate goal here was, you know, if we're looking at final rankings and awarding teams based on their season, Buffalo deserved a little bit better than a sixth seed. They were a legitimate top 20, top 15 team all season and should have been on the fourth or fifth line. In terms of their draw and their path in this tournament, I, you know, I was listening in the first segment. I think you're right. They're not in a worse spot as a six seed than they would have been as a five or a four. It's if they had been lower as a seven, having to play a two seed. You know, some of these two seeds are as good as the one seeds, or an eight or a nine. You do have to play the one seed in the second round, and that's really the toughest draw for a team that's trying to get to the second weekend like Buffalo is. Now, they got some tough games. They, just because they're the six seed, they will be favored against either Arizona State or St. John's, but that's not an easy game. I've seen brackets from as many brackets as I see picking Buffalo to go to the Elite Eight or the Final Four from national pundits. I've seen Jeff Goodman, I think John Rothstein, guys that cover the game all year long, picking Buffalo to lose to Arizona State in the first round. So it's not an easy draw, and they're not the Cinderella team where whatever they do is gravy now. There's a little bit of pressure for them to validate being a six seed, because if they don't win, some people will say, well, maybe you shouldn't have been a five or a four seed. Well, I'm a little surprised Goodman picked them to lose. He came on our show early in the year and Said he was ranking them as high as sixth over in the nation. So, well, maybe he knows something or has seen them play since yeah, then. Well, anyone can. You know what happens in the tournament? I think. I think if I, not knowing his justification, I think people might look at it and say, "Well, two things. One, the Bobby Hurley factor. I think if you're looking at that, you might think, hmm, you know, Bobby Hurley's a real competitive guy. He built this program. Maybe you give him the emotional edge in that matchup. And two. Arizona has some size, They're good big guys, and they go to them and they use them, they rebound, and that can hurt UB. Now, UB's been able to exploit that, especially against Arizona last year in the tournament. But when UB loses, I think that it's because they lack just a little bit of height and a little bit of bulk inside. They're a very perimeter-oriented team, as most mid-majors are. You know, they would, could use... I remember, I can't think of his name. He was a senior last year. We actually had a year of eligibility and transferred, but he, he would start, play tough, get a couple of fouls. He's the one that was trash-talking Aiton to me before the game. And they don't really have a guy like that now to sit there and defend 
early until Perkins comes in. I'm sorry, I can't remember. His yeah, name. I, I kind of smart played. Kind of smart is who I'm talking about. He was a senior. Now Montel McCray has filled that role, and he's had a great year. But he's he's thinner. He's more perimeter oriented. He's more likely to take charges than block shots. And I just you know he just and in some ways, especially against Mac competition, he's made them better offensively, and, and he helps them. I think defending on the perimeter, but they're not. They're not a big, strong, physical team inside. Nick Perkins is that kind of player, but he's only about six seven. And against teams that have bigger big men, more height, more size, more bulk, uh, they have trouble getting those post-up baskets from Perkins that they really need sometimes to, to break their low. I do love teams' guards. Do you think that that's, that's got to be how they win against Arizona State or St. John's with the usual way with great guard defense and open court game, tire them out? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Arizona and St. John's are also two teams with really good point guards, especially uh, St. John's. Shamari Pons is, you know, as good of a lead guard as there is in the country, going to be an NBA player. And, yeah, and especially uh, a strength of UB is they don't just have one guy to put on them and kind of pressure the ball, take charges, get them out of their offense. They have two, three, even four guys. And although they're having to play, prepare for two teams at once, they have this whole week here where they, they – I was out there Monday and they were already starting to break down what St. John's does on offense, how they're going to guard pick and rolls, how they're going to defend certain situations. St. John's is a team that plays almost like five guards, so they're going to have to get their whole team uh, you know, defending the pick and roll, which these days everybody has to do, but more so than against Arizona State or teams with traditional big men that don't really – play five out on the perimeter like St. John's will do. So if you're UB, who do you want beyond the, the Hurley factor? I think uh, Arizona State's a little bit better than St. John's, so you kind of want St. John's. I think even though uh, you have to prepare for playing five perimeter players, Buffalo can do that. They have the personnel to match up with that. It's more in their wheelhouse of, of how to guard and how to play against another team that's fast and guard-oriented. And I don't think you said, aside from the Hurley thing, I don't think uh, Nate Oates really wants that. I think it's a little bit of an emotional distraction. The good thing is that few of the players, really none of the players, Nick Perkins committed to play for Hurley. None of them have played for Hurley. But I think that's a little bit of a, a sideshow that won't favor UB. I don't know if uh, Nate Oates really wants to go up against Bobby Hurley and have that be part of his focus. I think they'd rather just go out there and play a basketball game, and that's not going to happen if it's you know Bobby Hurley versus Buffalo. That'll be the major storyline. Arizona State favored by two tonight. That game's at 9-10 on True TV from Dayton, the second of, of two play-in games tonight. Tell me this, true or false, did you be – peak too early this season and should there be some level of concern given some of the games they had to grind out in the conference tournament against teams that if you're talking about UB being a a real contender here that they should have beaten more easily I would say no I, I don't think they peaked really I think they're playing some of their best basketball now they got challenged in the conference tournament in kind of different ways in different games, but still, they ended up winning that final by 14 points. It was a four-point win over Central in the semifinal. That was the closest game. Their transition defense wasn't very good. I almost think that helps them a little bit. They did, even though they won the MAC tournament. They had they 
poor transition defense in the semifinal, didn't rebound well in the final against Bowling Green. So they got to come into practice this week and say, hey, we need to clean those things up. There was, I think there was just focus or not following the game plan exactly. And they've been playing some of their best ball. I think their freshmen are giving them, they're playing less minutes, but have been starting to give them better minutes down the stretch. That Jonathan Williams and Rondo Segu, those are their eighth and ninth guys. And even though they might have been higher ranked at certain points in the season, maybe higher on Joe Lunardi's bracketology, I think they're a better team than they were at the start of the season. They're more confident, and they've won all these games. They know that they have as many wins as any other team in the country, and they bring that into the tournament thinking we can play with and we can beat any team in the country. How much do you think that the extension that UB gave Nate Oates last week will ensure that he's here for at least another year? I mean, if he makes a run this year, can you see – Anything changing with his job status, or is this something where we're looking at at least next offseason? Yeah, my gut, and just from what I've heard and talking to people, I think the extension pretty much does buy maybe a year's worth of loyalty. Uh, the buyout and the structure of the contract doesn't necessarily keep another school from making an offer that gets Nate Oates away, but I don't really see the scenario where a good enough job paying big enough money in the right situation that Nate Oates wants to live there, move his family there, and be a destination job, maybe the last job he moves to. I just don't see that coming open. And the jobs in between where, yeah, he can make more money. With incentives, he's making close to a million now at UB. He can get $2 million jobs elsewhere. But if they're jobs where you can't win the league and maybe in five years you're getting fired like these coaches that he's replacing – I don't think he's going to take that job. I think he's going to ride this out at Buffalo, see if he can build this into a major program, and if not, hopefully, for his sake, one of his dream jobs, Michigan, Michigan State, perhaps Wisconsin, some of the top-level jobs in the Big Ten or the Big East, maybe those opportunities will be open for him down the line. I, and I think the reason I think he's staying at Buffalo is because Buffalo's taken some steps here with this new contract the momentum's still going forward toward, as he calls it, building the Gonzaga of the East, a mid-major, pro- a major program in Buffalo. When that momentum stops, I think that's when you really start to worry about whether he'll stay. He did say last year it would have to be life-changing money. I don't know what the definition was. I think he really wanted to coach this team, and the options weren't very attractive. I guess it would have to be life-changing is still something that it's out there. Four million a year to a team that's actually pretty good, and that he thinks could he would be at least five hundred or better right away. Um, I don't know. I think that's a conversation he would have to have with the wife, because it's like we don't know what might, what's going to happen here if this is going to come along again. So I think he maybe if he went to the elite eight or something. I mean, at some point he would become so big that it might they might blow him away. But I guess that's not mm-hmm. likely. But I just don't know what job is really open and going to go after him and, and offer him that 4 or $5 million salary right now. Maybe if they're in the Final Four, but by then a lot of these jobs will be full. Like, you know, UCLA is probably going to have their coach by then. Could be Calipari. Uh, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, these, these jobs that I think are dream jobs for Nate Oates aren't coming open this year. I hope, I hope so. It'd Maybe be, not for a while. It's so great to have him stay another year. I was it fooled me. It's been resulted in an extension of the greatest 
basketball in this area since Bob Lanier. So. And if you look at what they're doing recruiting-wise, the transfers they have sitting out, the junior college guys they've signed, the way the players and people talk, they're, they're acting like this is a run that's going to keep going. And you hear that all the time. But behind the scenes, like when Bobby Hurley was here two years ago, I was certain that he was going to leave, or four years ago, mm-hmm. his second year. And when coaches want to leave, their agents are out there floating their names, and it's, it's almost an active job search behind the scenes. And that's not going on now. And usually when that's not happening, the coaches don't leave. It's when they've decided, all right, now is my time. i got to strike when the iron's hot. And they leave for the best job they can get because their agent's been working on it for weeks and months. Jonah Bronstein on the line from Tulsa. Mr. 1099, as I like to call him. Actually, just not, came up not, neglect, not neglecting my duties like Tim Graham does. And the show's not, not even named after me. It's not. Go out and have a nice dinner on yourself. Yeah, go out and see well, some hang people. On. Before I'm off the line, i got to ask, what's Bobby vaping? Did we get into this yet? No. Dude, thanks, Jonah. It's uh, <laughs> it's butterscotch and a little bit of uh, peach peach tea. So Butterscotch? Oh, a little yeah. bit of peach tea. You know, just a little. What? <laughs> Back here for more on The Tim Graham Show. Tim Graham Show. Other than it's a silly, I'm doing the wank. It's Wednesday, it's Wednesday. The Tim Graham Show. Now on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. How in the middle those moves. The farmer hits him on the head and grinds him up, and that's how we get hamburgers. Broadcasting live. Tim Graham Show. Give me some free whiteout, though. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. I've been thinking long and hard about this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm in here in the studio, Mike Rodak with ESPN, and I'm in here with Jerry Sullivan, and I think we got a good thing going. We got a great guest with Jonah Bronstein. Then we got a text from the namesake of this radio program, Tim Graham, saying that, you know what? You can come on the show. And I thought about <laughs> it, and I said, do we really need him? <laughs> I, think, I think we got this going pretty well. I think we got it under control I, here. I, I could do without him. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I think it's probably right that we let the proper. the namesake of our esteemed program on the air, and that is Tim Graham, live from Los Angeles, some undisclosed location. Wow. Where the hell are you? I am in Los Angeles. I am on mm. assignment, and uh, I, you know what? I didn't even think because you were talking that you asked me if I would be able to call in, and this is when it was all getting set up, you know, and. Uh, so I got done with my interview, and I thought, okay, Mike might need me. But as you're bringing me back from the uh, from coming in from the commercial, I'm thinking that would have been fantastic if you would have said no thanks. Hostile <laughs> <laughs> takeover. I, look, I uh, I will, uh, as Jerry and you both know, uh, I nobody takes me less seriously than me. So 
if you would have said that would have been my favorite, uh, my favorite moment of the day, because that would have been it would have been a great job. Yeah. Well, Tim, did you hear we have recommissioned the poll? Who's more hated? I, I voted in it. I can't believe that I, I'm leading by more than I did two years ago. I thought the kid had made a big run at me. I don't know if he campaigned enough in Wisconsin, but uh, I think I'm going to win it again. There. I voted for Jerry. Uh, I can't remember who I voted for last time, but I will say why I voted for Jerry, and I think that this probably holds up with why you're leading by a bigger margin, is you've been gone for, what, eight, nine months or whatever it's From been. the news, yeah. And you would think that at some point people would say, you know, I miss Jerry, but they're not. So what? They, they miss hating so me. What I'm, Yes, right. they, they continue to hate you, and in fact, it has not waned at all. You think it would fade, and I'm just going based on the indelible imprint. I think that Mike Rodak, uh, you know, a couple years from now, if, uh, if he's not around, uh, then people would be like, oh, yeah, I remember Mike Rodak. He was, we, I didn't like him, but right. uh, yeah, I remember. Jerry, people are going to hate you forever. Uh, you're still around, and I just think that... I, I was just voting where I thought the the correct answer was. I, I appreciate that. It's it's kind of a Will Chamberlain. He's kind of a Calvin Murphy, like Hall of Fame, but not really Hall of Fame hate. Well, that's I, I would agree with that. I think that a lot of people are agreeing with you <laughs> because well, there's been a slight surge in my favor, meaning people who hate me. But a couple minutes ago, it was 57 percent in your favor. Now it's it's. Dwindled down to fifty-four Whoa. to forty-six. That's I know you're over there on, last time. You're yeah. over there on your phone dialing up Russian bots or something to to vote for me. I don't yeah, know what yeah. you're doing. No, I'm over sure there. I, me. I know what a bot is. I've got. He can't even open his own. Well, I got something that you says your access, and I don't know what it means. Yeah, you'll figure it out. So anyway, Tim, I don't, I don't really know what you're doing out there. I uh, I asked my wife, or I told my wife you I was coming today. You do know what I'm doing out here. You don't have to play dumb. You don't have to lie and say that you don't. You know what I'm doing out here. You just can't say. Yeah, I just can't say. My my wife asked, and and she said he must be out there on on uh, OJ's beach or in OJ's beach house. And I said, I don't think Ooh, OJ lives in guess. LA. I think he lives in Las Vegas. But I think that was a pretty good guess on her part. Um, Mike Trout signed uh, the biggest contract in sports history. He plays for the Anaheim Angels or whatever they're called these days. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just just saying. I might be throwing people off my scent. I might, I might just be stating a fact for the, for the sake of stating a fact. But uh, well, I don't know. Just something to think about. There's always LeBron out there. LeBron? Ooh, uh, sure. LA. Um, the Lakers. There's the Doc Rivers rumors. Yeah. Oh, just so much. Uh, Clay Matthews uh, has signed to, to play for Los Angeles. Blake and, Bortles? Uh, after his career at USC, Blake Bortles. Uh, I could be out here just to make Matthew Fairburn jealous to do a story on Blake Bortles. Ooh, <laughs> but yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm out here on West Coast time. I will say though, I'm looking forward to uh, later uh, this evening. I will be going to the Jimmy Kimmel taping with our with friend of the show Jesse Cubanet is going to have Ooh. me down. And uh, so I have to drive into Hollywood here in a little bit. But that's about the excitement. I will be back in, uh, back in Buffalo tomorrow. So it's not as though I'm out here gallivanting. So the Tim Graham show will continue is what you're saying. It's not going to be the Mike Rodak show next week. I have no problem with this. You actually sound like you have a pretty good handle on this. And oh. if this is what it takes to get you engaged in the show, Mike, <laughs> then I'm all for becoming your co-host. locked in. Well, unfortunately, I'll be engaged in other matters next Wednesday afternoon that – 
may or may not involve a uh, a newborn. So we'll see. Have we you will, talked uh, about this? I, I don't think I've ever talked about it on air, but my Let's wife and I and are, are expecting next that. Wednesday at the latest. Theoretically, it could be right now, and it could be the Jerry Sullivan or Mike McDonald show <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. for the second half, second hour of this. So. Now I'm starting to feel guilty about commissioning a poll for a, a guy about to be a father yeah, for the first <laughs> time about how much he's despised. What would what would the child think? I know. They're so going to see it now. I, I, I tend to doubt I'm going to be here next Wednesday. But Jerry, I think that he decided to talk about this on the air for the first time right now just to sway sympathy votes. <laughs> I'm watching the he, vote right now, and it hasn't moved, unfortunately. I'm it's still shameless. at 46. It's sh- but if it, if it trickles down a little bit, I won't, I won't mind. Uh, I trickles to... down your leg. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's one of the bites we got. You got to <laughs> oh, put that Cue in the intro, Cue up the lemon song. <laughs> anyway, Tim, we got uh, probably our, our finest guest of the day who just walked in the studio, mm-hmm. Mike McDonald. He's taking over for me. Men's basketball coach at uh, Damon. I just, I'm glad I was able to call in and at least cajole some breaking news out of you. You finally made the announcement. We've been sheepish about it. We've been made, we made it a point not to say it. Right, kept so it now quiet. you can tell everybody that Mike Rodak is about to be a father next week at the latest. Yes. Uh, as a journalist, I'll flesh out a couple more details. Uh, uh, his wife isn't due for a little bit longer, but they're going to induce. That's why we know next Wednesday. Uh, and so Mike's about to be a father. And I'm going to call into the – we're going to call in as a uh, during the show next week. Mm-hmm. We're going to call right into the delivery room, and uh, we're going to get her on the phone. Whether she's in the middle of it or not, and uh, we're going to have her on for a, a live uh, update. I won't. Hey, and, I'll uh, run it past her, but do a Howard Stern bit. Yeah, I can see that. It is a C-section, so you know I don't know if there's uh, any sort of medication that needs to wear off, but hey, it might work all the uh, all the same. Good journalism. Yeah. All right, get, uh, enjoy Mike McDonald. I'm getting off the phone now because I'm just dragging the show down. Well, he just uh, he just hopped on, and we're going to be talking a lot of hoops here. And that's a tough act to follow, right yeah. there. Yeah, <laughs> you were saying really? the same thing. Jerry, please somebody remind Jerry that when he speaks, he has to do it into the microphone. I, I wasn't speaking there. Hey, I've been doing oh, this every day was. now. I'm getting better at it. Oh, well, good. that doesn't mean that I've uh, it's, I have a certain facility. I mean, I'm getting better at it. Are you going to keep doing it every day? I think so. You know, you have to come on sometime. <laughs> I will. You've carried me once or twice. I'll come in and carry you. Yeah. Well, you go back to All your right, little boy. job there. Yeah. Hey, go enjoy it out there. <laughs> Stuff the ballot box for Rodak. Have one for me. All right, fellas. Thanks See and ya. thanks for uh, holding down the fort. No problem. Our uh, our namesake on the show, Tim Graham, from Los Angeles, and now we have replaced him with a better man. And Mike McDonald. And we're going to lose Sully here in a second, though. We're going to lose him to a concert? Yeah, dinner and a concert, so kind of pushing it. But I, I felt a certain duty to the Tim Graham show. Well, Get very back. much appreciated. What kind of concert? 10,000 Maniacs Ooh. benefit concert at the uh, Irish Classical Theater. 10,001, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Are you warming up here for your act, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just don't talk about... Whatever he said about something down someone's leg, that was trickling oh, down his leg. Graham. That's, oh, I yeah, that, that is a that's right up there with his dildo thing. Yeah. Well, we got plenty of that. I missed this show. <laughs> plenty more dildo talk here to come on the Tim Graham Show, twelve seventy. The fan is Sports Radio twelve seventy. The fan. I know I'm gonna get pimped. They gonna pimp me. I love sausage. Thank you, Tim.
Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber. I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. Here we go. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270TheFan. Taking your calls at 270-1270. Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. You're going to need a bigger boat. Back here in the Tim Graham Show. We just continue to upgrade. You know, we, we kicked Tim Graham off the air. He's in L.A. doing God knows what. He was on the line in the last segment. We had Jerry Sullivan in studio. We yeah. kicked him out. And now we have somebody better. Damon, head men's basketball coach, Mike McDonald, in studio with us for the second hour of the show here. His number five seed, Damon, college, and excuse me on the mascot. Wildcats. Wildcats. I'm sorry. I had it at the tip of my tongue. I was going to say cats. I'm thinking Villanova. Uh, lost this Saturday in the NCAA Division II tournament, but it was their first appearance in school history in that tournament. And the most wins in school history as a D2 team with 24. Um, certainly a, a great season. And um, now he's here to talk some hoops in general. We get the NCAA tournament coming up this weekend. And UB tonight uh, looking to see who they'll play. We have St. John's and Arizona State tipping off at 9-10 on True TV in a play-in game from Dayton. And that will decide who plays UB Friday at four o'clock on TNT in the first round. So, did Jerry pick somebody in the Arizona State St. John's game? Jerry seems to be pretty high on Arizona State. Yeah. I could be wrong, but no, that, that was he, the vibe I got. He too. seems to think that they're going to be the guys. Jonah Bronstein on the line thought that Arizona State had the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, let me give you this one. Yeah, forty years ago, you weren't even born. Certainly not, Bobby. You weren't even thought of. No, <laughs> forty years ago. St. John's was the last team in the tournament, just like now, like this year. Oh, wow. They, it was 1979. That was the Magic and Larry Bird oh, uh, yeah. NCAA tournament. They got beat. They got beat in the Elite Eight. They went all the way to the Elite Eight. St. John's did. They were the last team in. And Jerry would remember this uh, probably because he's old too. But they were the last team in, and they made a run to the Elite Eight. So you never know. I, don't, I, don't, I think Arizona State's better. The thing I've said all along about St. John's is they're the type of team that could be blown out by 30 in the first round in a playing game, or they can make a run to the Sweet 16. They're yep. like uh, right. they're very talented, and the knock on them all year is they're not really engaged all the time. But when they're engaged, they can be good. I think they started off um, 16 and 0, and then finished off you know finished mm-hmm. off like 9 and 12 down mm-hmm. the stretch. Yeah, I mean I see a lot of St. John's from watching all my. My Friars games, and let's not even talk about last night, what happened in the NIT there against Arkansas. But I think the Friars beat St. John's twice this year. And this is a St. John's team that was pretty good, and I think highly thought of. I mean, they finished seventh in the Big East, which was not a very good conference this year. No, it was. Villanova, Marquette, and everybody else, and they they finished seventh. But they had some good non-conference wins. They had Mm -hmm. a good start. Um, There are four teams in the NCAA tournament when you count Seton Hall with Marquette and Villanova. And really, St. John's... Beat Seton Hall once, and the second time they should have. They had it was a very bad officials error that cost them. Um, but you know they're they're an enigma. That's probably the best way to describe St. John's. And scary in the fact that they have some talented players that if they put it together, 
not only in this game against Arizona State, mm-hmm. and then when they play UB, they they could beat people. So you have that potential in St. John's where, like you said, you don't know what you're going to get. And you have Arizona State, which, mind you, also beat Kansas this year. That's right. So if you're UB and you're Nate Oates sitting around in Tulsa and the hotel ballroom or wherever they happen to be watching this game, who do you want to win? I don't know. He, there's probably a part of him saying, you know what, Arizona State, Bobby Hurley knows us, knows me, knows how I coach. You know, he's probably watched us a lot more than St. John's has. Mm-hmm. And so that might be they're good. Uh, not, not good for us. I think the other thing, you know, you could look at and you could sell your guys, say, we beat Syracuse. Let's go beat the other big big dog in the state in mm-hmm. St. John's and, and prove that we're the biggest dog in the state. So, um I don't know. I don't know if you root for anybody. I think he's just right. better. Like, and and they're probably diving into some of the matchups. Arizona State's talented. Beat Kansas, right? One at Kansas. They're very good. But um, I, I think the interesting thing was, you know, they're very young, and UB is is much more veteran, much more senior right. dominated than Arizona State is. So that might be a play in UB's favor right there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting just to see if this can go further than it did last year. And I think there's. A, a better bracket setup uh, than what they ran into last year uh, with Arizona and Kentucky. And Sully and I were talking about it before where there may even be an advantage to having the six seed over the five seed. And I mentioned in the Midwest bracket, you have Auburn as a five seed has to play New Mexico state. And that, you know, it's always the mysterious 12, five matchup that tends to trip people up. Yep. And then Auburn, they, okay. They win that game. They play Kansas most likely. And you win that one, you're playing North Carolina. That's right. So do you want that, or do you want what the, the Bulls have, which, you know, Texas Tech is a three seed, and then you'd have to play Michigan, at least on the West Coast, where you know maybe there's fewer Michigan fans that make the trip out there. Though I will tell you this, last year when Michigan, in their run to the national championship game, they went and they played at the Staples Center mm-hmm. for the uh, Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, and it was a predominant Michigan crowd. Okay. A lot of Michigan alums out west, which people didn't know, or right. a lot of people who were cold in Michigan and said, let's go out west and follow the basketball team because it's a lot warmer out there. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's the problem when you run into these big-time teams in the tournaments. Just even though they're supposed to be neutral site games, it just so often becomes a road game for you because of the alumni bases and, and the ability of fans to travel. <clears throat> I mean, Sully and I were talking about, too, with Duke and North Carolina, it seems that they're always playing in, in Carolina, either north or south, mm-hmm. in a, a tournament. No different this year where Duke is, is opening in in, uh, in Columbia. Well, what's interesting is I heard Kentucky's down in Jacksonville, and I had a friend who's down in Jacksonville who was trying mm-hmm. to get tickets, and he said all of a sudden the tickets are becoming more available that they don't think the Kentucky fans are traveling to Jacksonville. Oh. They're kind of waiting mm-hmm. and saving their money for the next right. trip. And, oh. and and wait, That's risky. and we'll, we'll take we'll go to Kansas City as opposed to going right. to Jacksonville, yeah. which most normal people wouldn't do, right? They'd go to Jacksonville yeah. instead of Kansas City. Sign me yeah. up. That's right for the weather. <laughs> but I wonder if the same thing will hold true for UB fans. We talked to Jonah on the phone, and granted, he was you know holed up in his hotel room. We didn't really see anybody around. But <laughs> Tulsa's probably not a destination city if you're a UB fan. But then you're looking at okay, they make the Sweet 16, they got something going. You go to Anaheim. I mean, that's that's a little nicer than uh, than having to go to Oklahoma. <laughs> Not to you know defile Tulsa at all, but that's, you know what? It's a lot easier to get to, right? Right from Buffalo is more yep. of a direct flights to California yep. than there are to to Oklahoma. So 
I, I think the travel issue is, is going to be a big thing. It's, it's sad in some ways mm-hmm. that they're not in a Hartford. Or, you know, last year they went to Boise right. for the first two that rounds. And it's, and it's just, that's yeah. a tough trip. It's tough to get to. Right, it's weird. Three here. flights, I think, you know, for it, some reporters be, last year. It'd be awesome if they were in Columbus, if yep. they were they were in Hartford, you know, if they were someplace that was a lot more accessible from western New York. Mm-hmm. So how fair do you think that this six seed was when you, you saw that announced on Sunday night? I, I don't think it's terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, you know, and again, you know, five, six, you got to play somebody. The advantage of the six is you're staying further away from the one until you're staying to the right. lead eight to get there. So you're almost better off. I mean, yeah, it's nice to say we we're a five seed, but then you're going to be staring at the one seed at one right. point and, and a lot earlier. So why not take the six? You know, you're going to play somebody good. They're going to play Arizona State, St. John's. They're good, but are they better than UB? No, they haven't had better seasons than UB. Right. Um, you know, Texas Tech would, would worry me. They mm-hmm. do worry me. They really defend, and they have one superstar player. But, you know, again, you're in the second round of the NCAAs. Last year they played Kentucky, mm-hmm. you know, with all their guys. Mm-hmm. Now you're playing Texas Tech. I think you'd rather rather play Texas Tech, right? Feels more winnable to me. That's right. Especially that- given the, the strides that UB has made even since last year. I mean, this mm-hmm. is obviously a better team than they were last year. And who knows? I mean, that, that bottom half of that bracket uh, that, the Bill, that the Bulls have played in the Sweet 16, you have Nevada and Florida – and then Michigan and Montana. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Michigan comes out of that group. I no, mean, not at all. And I'm, listen, yeah. you know, John Beeline is tight, one of my good friends. I worked for him mm-hmm. for five years. But I don't think this Michigan team scores mm-hmm. as well as last year. I mean, last year they had Mo Wagner, who's with the Lakers now, as a center. He could score. He wasn't as great a defender, but he could he could put the ball in the basket. Um, they had um, you know they they had guys who could uh, make shots at, at a better rate. Than they do now. They really defend just like they did last year. Yeah. I don't think they score as easily. Now, could they get going and score? Yeah. I mean, I think they'll miss. The guy they miss a lot is Duncan Robinson, who made jump shots for them. He was a Division three transfer. It was a kind of a feel-good story. He came off the bench and was kind of their sixth, seventh man last year. But he could make jumpers. And if not only could he make jumpers, the threat of him making jumpers really stretched the defense out and forced people to guard him, and it opened up driving lanes. And I don't think they have that this year. So are you allowed to fill out a bracket, given your, your position? <laughs> yeah, you can fill out a bracket. Right. You just can't put it into a pool where there's money involved. <laughs> that makes sense. You know, so you can do that. So let's assume that you know there's no money involved anywhere. Who is your pick to win it all? I know. Tim has never paid me. I keep well, giving him my Social Security <laughs> number. It worked out well. <laughs> He's got the direct deposits. Yeah. <laughs> who's my – you want the Final Four? Uh, or you want the – You want who's coming out of the Midwest? Yeah. Give, me the, the uh, give me the Final Four. Well, um, I, I think in the East you got to go with Duke, right? Okay. I mean, who's not going to go with Duke? Uh, Michigan State is a team that could challenge them. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start by saying that since 2013 – there's always been a seven seed or higher in the Final Four. So for the last oh, six, wow. seven tournaments, there's been a seven or higher making it to the Final Four. Last year That's was remarkable. famously Loyola, Loyola. Yeah. right, who was 11, who got in. So, you know, you got to look at this and say, all right, who who's going to be that team kind of coming out of, out of nowhere that you don't think about, like Loyola? You know, um, who, who would that be? Um, I, I don't see anybody – in this region, I do like Belmont, who beat Temple, maybe to beat Maryland, and that could be somebody come out, could could get to the Sweet 16. But can they beat Duke? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Duke 
Duke could run into a Virginia Tech team who's who's very good. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm not thinking Duke is losing to Virginia Tech. They won. Uh, they lost at Virginia Tech this year, mm -hmm. but without that Zion guy, who's he's pretty, pretty good. good. You might have pretty heard of him. Pretty good. And uh, I think when you get down to it, the best player in that in that region is Zion Williamson, and mm -hmm. I think that that's the guy who you know is going to carry him. He's a special player. Um, another interesting one, I think, could be Yale beating LSU. Mm -hmm. You know, wouldn't be surprised. Yale is very talented. They're disciplined. LSU has gone through some turmoil, mm -hmm. you know, where they were supposedly paying for players. The, yeah. the problem for Yale is that. LSU paid for really good players, and they're still there. The right. coach is suspended, <laughs> but the really good players yeah. who got paid Don't worry are back. Uh, and, and that could be a, be a problem. But mm -hmm. uh, I think in the end you're going to look at Duke-Michigan State, mm -hmm. and I think uh, Duke is going to come out of that region. Any chance that Virginia does what they did last year? No, I don't think so. Gardner-Webb's mm -hmm. good. Um, and, and they shoot it very well, which is, is what you want if you're playing Virginia. You want teams. That's what happened to them last year uh, with UMBC is mm -hmm. they made a bunch of three-pointers, and you need a team to make threes. And, and the committee set it up so Virginia's playing a team that makes threes. But uh, I think in the end, Virginia wins that game. I think Virginia wins the second round ahead of Ole Miss or Oklahoma. Um, you know, and, and I think – I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon beat Wisconsin over there. I think the other upset special maybe is St. Mary's over Villanova mm -hmm. in the South region could be there. But I, I think it, the one that's going to be interesting to me is Tennessee-Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. If those two teams advance, which they should, Tennessee-Cincinnati, the winner coming out of that, I could see winning the South region. Mm -hmm. And that might be your high seed, your 7-8-9, Cincinnati is a 7, getting out of there. Tennessee obviously has been they've been number one. They have a veteran team. They're a little bit like Villanova. Right. My worry about them is did they peak a little bit too early mm -hmm. right now? You have Purdue, which never really seems to impress me in the tournament every year. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. it is about them. Maybe I'm completely yeah, off I think base, they but... haven't been to a uh, Final Four since 1980. Yeah. I... You know, um, so that's they, – but a very talented team. Mm -hmm. Did well in the Big Ten, was the second seed in the Big Ten, mm -hmm. and got bounced out by a Minnesota team who they were had a much better year than – um, but sometimes that helps you. It helps you recalibrate. Mm -hmm. It helps you, you know, set your say, hey, look at fellas. Now we have we get a do over. We get a mulligan. Right. right. You know, we go to the tournament. Now this NCAA tournament, we don't get a do over. We don't get the mulligan, and so you really have to lock in. And sometimes that'll help. And then you have the North Carolina bracket, which I mean, North Carolina, Kentucky, the two seed. Um, anybody beating them to get to the lead eight, do you think? I don't think so. I, I think this is the most talented bracket. I think this is a really good bracket. Mm -hmm. um, I think Utah State is a little scary coming uh, with Washington, but I don't think they're going to beat Carolina. Um, could Car could Washington win with Mike Hopkins, the old Syracuse assistant, mm -hmm. playing that zone? Could they bother him? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I, I think. You know, I think Carolina is really good, and my pick to uh, my pick to win the whole thing. Would be Carolina, mm -hmm. um, but I think that Carolina-Kentucky matchup, I think that form is going to hold true, but I think that's going to be a really good matchup, and that's going to be a great game. But if you look at it, I think Houston could be a Final Four team if they were in a different region. Mm -hmm. I think Iowa State could be a Final Four team if they were in a different region. Um, I don't think you know. I, I I like New Mexico State to maybe win two games. Okay, I think they could be a team. They could beat Auburn. And they could could win again and face Carolina 
in the Sweet 16. So there's kind of an upset special there. So you're not really buying into the uh, the Bruce Pearl magic there in the SEC uh, title he, game? He definitely did. He got it rolling, and they won. But New Mexico State has not lost, I think, since December. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are they are rolling, and they've, they're one of these teams that people don't know a lot about. But they are very talented. There's, their head coach used to be an assistant at Wichita State. Mm-hmm. They've had their matchups. Uh, they, they actually was a head coach at Bowling Green mm-hmm. for a year, and then then was fired. Um, so he he uh, I, I think uh, you know again Auburn people like Auburn. They just right. played great, but I wouldn't be surprised to see New Mexico State win that one, and then win one more. And then the other team that sort of caught my eye was Syracuse, the eight seed in the UB bracket, which is the West. And they played Baylor in the first round, that nine matchup. And then Gonzaga in the second round in Salt Lake City, though. So you're talking fairly close for the the fans to come down from Washington. So Syracuse is always Jekyll and Hyde to me. I mean, there's some years where they don't seem to be that great, and then they make a run. And there's some years where they (laughs) seem to be great, and they don't. So what is your read on our neighbors Uh, to the east? I I have an assistant coach, Ryan Granditz, who is Mm -hmm. a big Syracuse guy, and he – he claimed before the brackets came out. He goes, they're going to get, they're going to be where Gonzaga is. They're going to win the first game. They're going to play Gonzaga and beat Gonzaga. So I give a shout out to him. Mm-hmm. I'll also tell you this: um, I was just on Channel Seven the other day with Joe Biscali okay. going over some of the brackets here. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I don't no, know. No, you are, uh, Joe B, friend uh, of the yeah, show, he comes friend on. of the show. Okay. Yeah. And and I told Joe after I picked um, Gonzaga to go to the Final Four. I said, Joe, I, really, if I had guts. And maybe I'll have more guts now. I'm on the radio. No, people can't see me, <laughs> yeah. and they don't. They don't. They're not taping it. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, but I said I really wanted to say Syracuse could get wow. out of that region mm-hmm. um, and get to the Final Four. I don't think they're a good Syracuse team at all. I mean, UB had their way, and Nate Oates said afterward, wow. "We have better players, and we play harder." Yep. Um, but I, I think they're gonna. I, I think they'll if they can get by Baylor. I think they can get by Gonzaga, too. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think the zone can bother him. And if you remember many years ago, I think it was in the John Wallace era, Syracuse's first run to the Final Four, I believe, started in Utah. Bobby, you can look that one up. Yeah. Oh, but I think, they, <laughs> I, I think they had a run that started in Utah. What year was in that? In Salt Lake City. Um, I think that it might have been the 96 team that did it, or it might have been the national championship team. Um, no, the national championship team, I think, was in the East. I'm pretty sure they were in Before the East. Before my time, unfortunately. Yeah, in 2003. But we had enough I, Syracuse I think, people in Buffalo. I, I think uh, Syracuse definitely had a Final Four team that went through uh, Salt Lake City to get to the Final Four, and I think that you know it could be that way because I didn't. Again, you know, I, I like Michigan obviously, and I, I could say, hey, my heart is saying Michigan's going to get to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. But even if Michigan had to play against that zone, you know, are how are they going to handle it? Are they going to make enough shots? I think they could. I think they could. But, you know, the way to beat Gonzaga is slow them down. St. Mary's proved that in the West Coast Conference Finals. Uh, St. Mary's of California slowed down Syracuse – or slowed down Gonzaga, excuse mm-hmm. me. I think Syracuse could slow them down, and they have better players than St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't be shocking if Syracuse comes out of there and, and gets at least to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. I've seen some upsets myself. I uh, I worked the 2010 first rounds in Providence, which would have been Villanova losing to St. Mary's, I want to say. Yep, that's right. It was like a 215 matchup, I want to say. Um, and you had, I think it was Ohio and, and the, beat somebody, Tennessee maybe. And there's that matchup right now with Villanova-St. Mary's in Hartford, Connecticut, in the Midwest region. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the committee doesn't plan these things. It just kind of works out. But, uh, it does. Um 
Like like uh, Rick Pitino Jr. Richard Pitino. Oh, that, no, Louisville. that was just coincidence. Yeah, just a coincidence. Right, of course. But uh, the uh, you know the Villanova matchup. I'm sorry, that's the South Region. Villanova versus St. Mary's. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see St. Mary's come out of that. The thing I think that's against St. Mary's. It's in Hartford, Connecticut, right. a little closer to Villanova's camp- campus than, than St. Mary's <laughs> campus. Uh, um, yeah. And uh, um, it'll be a, a road game for St. Mary's, but wouldn't be surprised to see you know, the, the national champions go down in, in mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, I, I've seen a lot of Villanova this year, and um, they're beatable, you know, much more than the last couple of years. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think, you know, I got enough respect for Jay Wright where you know, that team can, can make a run, too. So kind of sure. like Syracuse in that regard, yeah. where you just don't really know. Like, they have yeah. the pedigree, yep. or at least lately, for Villanova. And um, and they think they're supposed to win. Right. If you remember a few years ago when Bu- Villanova lost in Buffalo. Yeah. Right? They lost here. And, you know, I don't think they had that, hey, we're supposed to win, we're going to win. They, it was more like pressure, like we have to win. Yep. Now I think they got the mojo, like, hey, we're going to win. We know what we're going to do. We're going to make the plays at the end. Not nearly as talented as last year's team. I mean, last year's team had four guys drafted the NBA. Right. You know, they can play. Um, now it's they're they're going to get by. They're going to survive, and they're yep. going to be they're going to they're going to scrape and claw and get you. Well, sounds good. We got more action coming up here in the Tim Graham show after the break. Looking to get Jeremiah Searles on the line. Bills players doing a lot of great things for the flood victims out in Nebraska. Hopefully, have him after the break. Back here in the Tim Graham Show, and as has been the case for the last hour and a half, I am not Tim Graham. I am Mike Rodak from ESPN.com, sure? the typical co-host of the show, who is in studio here with Damon men's basketball coach Mike McDonald. We've been talking brackets, some hoops talk here, and just as we came out of the break, news from Syracuse that Frank Howard will not play in the NCAA tournament because of an indefinite for an indefinite period of time because of a violation of athletic department policy per a Syracuse release. So some news there. Erase that whole segment, Bobby, where I said they could beat Gonzaga. Okay, thanks. (laughs) So much for that Syracuse run. But luckily we have a guest on the line and one that we are uh, very appreciative to have, and that is Bill's offensive lineman, (laughs) Jeremiah Searles. And Jeremiah is doing a lot of good things out in Nebraska. Uh, You might have... You know, known Jeremiah from last season, uh, signed with the Bills in September, and has been in the NFL since 2014, and just re-upped with the Bills as well in January. But he played his college ball at Nebraska uh, from 2010 to 2013, and him and his college teammate, Spencer Long, who just happened to also sign with the Bills, are putting together a dinner for those who have been affected by the flooding in Nebraska over the past week. So, uh, Jeremiah, I just wanted to start off. And first, I want to congratulate you. I know you announced today that uh, you and your wife, Emma, are expecting a, uh, a baby boy in August. So, uh, congratulations on that. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, a lot of anticipation leading up to that 20-week appointment this morning, just not knowing what was going to go. But, uh, yeah, as soon as she said, oh, look, looks like a little boy, I definitely stood up in the room and cheered. So I, I was super pumped. It's uh, it's an exciting time. Me and my wife are expecting a, a baby boy ourselves uh, a week from today. So, oh, uh, congratulations! Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's a uh, it's a it's a life experience. I put it that way. But <laughs> just to um, 
yeah, I guess to switch gears and, and go back to a lot of real life uh, things that are happening in Nebraska, people's lives being affected. What, uh, where are you right now, and, and what are their conditions um, where you are? Yeah, so I live in Lincoln, Nebraska in the off-season. That's home for me now. My wife and I have a house out here. And uh, where we're at, it's really not that bad. Um, we're, we've gotten pretty lucky with here in Lincoln. The only thing that really happened is uh, a levee broke, and it flooded into our clean water supply here in Lincoln. So we're on, a, we're on water restriction here in Lincoln. Just be conscious of it. Don't flush the toilet as much. Don't do the dishes as much. Don't run your laundry if you don't have to type of thing. And so we're just being cautious with that. But up in the northern part of the state, um, they didn't get so lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of homes, a lot of, uh, I mean, we're talking billions of dollars worth of infrastructure washed away. We're talking half a million dollars in cattle and everything is completely gone. And it's just, it's it's devastating to see. It's devastating to see people's entire lives are just completely ruined. Because what happened was everything was still frozen here in Nebraska. And then all of a sudden it just started pouring rain. And the ground started thawing, and it was pouring rain, and they had that cyclone that like hit Colorado, but the northern part of our state got all the rain, and the rivers just started going nuts. And there's chunks of ice. I mean, I'm talking like iceberg-sized ice, three, four feet deep, 60, 70 feet wide, that just because the river started flooding, that cracked, that flooded. Now that's in people's front yards. That's in people's farming communities that took out or buildings and it's just something that me and Spencer got done working out on Friday or on Monday. And Spencer being from here, uh, he lives with me in the off season as well. Me and my wife, we both were sitting at the table eating lunch and we were like, man, we need to do something. Um, there's a sense of pride that is in Nebraska of we're all we got, we're all we need type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to a good friend of mine who's connected up in the, the that part of the state and said, Hey, we want to do something. What can we do to help and we've seen a lot of GoFundMe pages and everything, which is awesome. And he goes, you know what would really help is these people need to recharge. Um, they've been just burning the candle at both ends for a week now. They need food. They need water. They need supplies. And so we're like, okay, let's organize a dinner. So he got on the horn. We got a high the local food, uh, food grocery store here to say, yeah, we'll help out with that. So we are hoping to host a dinner for first responders, uh, sheriff's department, National Guard, all volunteers, and anyone who's been misplaced up in Colfax County, which is a northern county here in Nebraska, and saying, just come enjoy a meal with us, fellowship with us, we'll pray with you, we'll give you a hug, we'll do whatever we can do just to help try and lift your guys' spirits up and know that you're not in this alone. And it was something that Spencer and I felt really passionate about, so it's something we jumped into and jumped in with both feet, and uh, that's starting tomorrow night. So it's going to be a long project. I mean, the work's just getting started. But just to fill these guys' cups up is something we really wanted to do. And as far as people you might know, whether it's friends or family or other teammates that you might have had in Nebraska, uh, you know, who might you know that has been deeply affected by this and, and what you know their stories might be? Yeah, uh, one of my friends that uh, I went to college with, uh, he didn't play football. He was just a, a guy I went to classes with. He actually sent me a Snapchat on uh, Tuesday, a picture. And he was like, he lives in a, a trailer out there on his family's farm. And it was just the cinder blocks. And he goes, well, this is where my house used to be. And it's just like, he's like, everything that I couldn't fit in my truck is now gone. And then we have people that are in our Bible study that we go to on Monday nights that say that their parents' houses are completely totaled. Um, water up to 10 to 8 feet in the houses. I think 
and it, it's just everyone that like you talk to in Nebraska somehow knows someone that is affected. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very closely niched here community. I know my my wife's father. Uh, he teaches in West Point, Nebraska, and they haven't been able to be in school all week because the roads are all washed out and still flooded that people can't get in and out to to school and back. So it's just, it, it's a mess, man. And you don't see a lot of it on national media. A lot of people aren't seeing it. And it's just something that, like, we'll take care of our own here. And me and Spencer both said, man, we're so blessed. And the ability to have a platform like this to go out and do something like this is special to us because, A, this is where we call home. And B, it feels almost like a responsibility of let's take care of our own. And we're really excited for it. But it's just it's devastating to see some of these people's lives completely just turned upside down. And being in Buffalo for a few years myself, I know that's that's also the spirit in Buffalo, too, where people want to help out their own. And uh, obviously you, having played for the Bills now for uh, going on a year, uh, I think people would want to know how they can help out the people who are close to you and important to you. So obviously if they're not able to, um, to be in Nebraska and, and directly help, what would be the best way if you live in Buffalo to assist some of these flood victims? Yeah. So the next step, uh, like I said, we jumped into, this is step one. Um, on me and Spencer's plan is when we get up here and we meet with uh, the Colfax County attorney's office and all those people be like, okay, what do you guys need money wise? What do you guys need time wise? What do you need? And then we're going to set something else up through our social media channels. So follow myself, follow Spencer. I'll, I'll reach out to the Buffalo Bills uh, social media channel. They said that they'd help out too. And I think we're going to try and set up some type of fundraiser or a way that you can donate food, supplies, money, anything you can so that we can find out what the next big need is because we're just starting to figure out what the extent of the damage is. Uh, the water just started receding back, I think, late, uh, early, uh, early Monday morning. And so we're just kind of – people are just starting to get back to homes, just starting to see, like, okay, what do we need? So uh, everyone's been asking, and I'm so appreciative that I've had so many people reach out saying, how can we help? Is And I don't have a great answer for you right now, but the answer is I will let you know because there will be something that uh, will come up that we will need some help with. And you can find that information on Jeremiah's Twitter page, which is at Searles, S-I-R-L-E-S 71 underscore H-S-K-R, which Husker, obviously, being uh, yes. a Nebraska alum, and also his his new teammate on the Bills, an old teammate, with Nebraska Spencer Long, which is at S Long underscore sixty one, and they have a lot of information out there about the dinner tomorrow night if you are in Nebraska, but also uh, you know how you might be able to help down the road, as uh, as Jeremiah mentioned. So, thank you very much for for coming on, and uh, you know best of luck to all of you uh, out there and um, everybody who might have been affected by this. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on so we can share a little bit. It's a tough time out here, but thank you so much. You got it, Jeremiah. Thank you. And we'll be coming back pretty soon here. Uh, if we don't go to break, but we might be able to talk to Mike McDonald in, in the meantime. Um, and we'll have Jim Nagy on the line a little bit later from the Senior Bowl uh, in Mobile, his first year as the executive director of the Senior Bowl. And he will be on to talk about Tyree Jackson and Anthony Johnson, the two prospects from UB who are almost certain to be drafted. I want to say likely. I mean, they're, they're going to be drafted at some point in a month here coming up in the NFL draft, but also two players who took part in the Senior Bowl uh, down, in, down in Mobile. Um, okay, down in Mobile. So we'll have Jim Nagy on the line after the break. Oh, if I knew 
And we're back for the final segment of the Tim Graham Show. And as it's been for two hours now, it is not Tim Graham. It is Mike Rodak with ESPN filling in for Tim this week as he is in L.A. Your typical co-host in studio here with Mike McDonald talking some hoops earlier in this hour. And we'll wrap up with that later. But in the meantime, I wanted to invite on the show Jim Nagy, who is the executive director of the Senior Bowl, just completed his first Senior Bowl in January in that role, and just this week was named an NFL draft analyst for ESPN, appearing, I believe, on his his first uh, shows here today in Bristol. Uh, 18 years Jim spent as an NFL scout for the Packers, the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Seahawks. He was part of six Super Bowl teams and, and four winning Super Bowl teams, and he is on the line now from Bristol. And uh, first of all, Jim, thanks for coming on, and just wanted to ask you how the first day went in, at, uh, at ESPN and, and how that all came together for us to, to see you on air now. I, I think, unfortunately, the line's a little bit choppy. Um, I don't know if we're able to call back in, but it seems like the uh, we're in a dead zone there in Bristol. Uh, I've had that problem. I, I know that hotel. I know the area well. I uh, and uh, we'll we'll try to get Jim on the line. But in the meantime, we do have Mike McDonald. And hey, how about how about let's not skip over. We I know we got to get to Jim and ESPN, but how about Jeremiah? Yeah. How impressive is that guy? That, that's right. amazing, right? What he's doing and a guy giving his time. You hear so much negative about pro athletes, mm-hmm. and there's a guy who's really giving back to his community. Yeah, it's um, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. You watch Antonio Brown, and you watch these guys who. In some cases, it seems like it's all about the money and all about you know the bottom line. And look, Jeremiah Searles is making about a million dollars this year. You know, he, it's not the star lifestyle that a lot of people think of NFL players. But to be able to put yourself uh, and your own interests aside and, and try to help others is pretty impressive. So, uh, apologies, Jim, for the the connection there a second ago. Uh, but just wanted to ask you the same question as far as. Um, you know what what you're doing here at ESPN, and and uh, when we're able to see you on air and get some of your uh, your draft analysis. Yeah, it it uh, it came together. I had like a one day audition a few weeks ago, and uh, really just excited about it. Uh, it's great. It's great visibility to reach the senior bowl, which you know first and foremost that's my <laughs> that's my job. But mm-hmm. um, it's been really cool uh, with the ESPN thing. It's, it comes naturally when you're used to talking about football and you spend all those hours watching tape. I mean, it's, it, it comes pretty easy, but, uh, it's been an exciting time and I'm going to mostly be doing NFL live stuff, um, during the week, but they're going to, going to be doing sports center hits and, and things like that. And then, uh, what I'm really looking forward to is, uh, the four days in Nashville, uh, around the draft time, um, that in Nashville should be, should be a blast. Usually is, um, but Bill's fans up here and, and really Buffalo fans in general, uh, a lot of the interest in the draft is not only with the Bills and their number nine overall pick, but uh, with the two players from UB in particular, uh, Tyree Jackson, who was invited a little bit late to the Senior Bowl, a, a late addition, but ended up being the South team MVP down there in Mobile uh, almost two months ago now. So just explain what the process was like on, on, as far as when you first 
uh, found out about Tyree and, and started watching him and then eventually getting him to be down there at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, my first exposure to Tyree was um, last summer at the, at the Manning Passing Camp down in Thibodeau, Louisiana, which when you're in the NFL, um, you can't go to. So this was my first year ever going to that, to that passing camp, and that was, that was an awesome experience. So Tyree really stood out down there. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't know if he was going to graduate. Him being a junior, the only way they can play in the Senior Bowl is if they have their diplomas by December. Uh, you know, I knew Daniel. We, we knew Daniel Jones from Dukewood. We knew Jarrett Stidham from Auburnwood, um, but I wasn't sure on Tyree. And then, really, that's why we were holding the spot for those other two guys. And then we had six seniors. So, uh, you know, when I when it came to the realization that Tyree was going to leave, and then also that he graduated, um, that's why he was a late ad. It's not that you know we we uh, you know didn't think highly of Tyree's ability. It's just he just kind of popped late in terms of that. Um, Kind of took us off guard with coming out early and with the with the graduation thing, but uh, he had a great week down in Mobile. He's really a unique player with his size and his arm strength, and uh, I think he's done a great job through the through the process. You know, down in Mobile, he, he he walks in a room. You guys know up there in Buffalo. I mean, that kid he can light up a room with his smile, and he's done a great job. Like talking to my talking to my friends that are in the league, uh, he's done a great job in their meetings. He's done a nice job on the board. So uh, I know the Buffalo was sad to see him go and, and declare early, but. Uh, you know, he's, he's really handled this process well so far. Yeah, and for anybody who's been to the Senior Bowl, as far as, you know, reporters and, and scouts and all that, it's it's about the entire week. It's not just about that game on the weekend. It's all about the practices, and uh, you have a lot of NFL coaches from the two staffs that are there who are getting up close and personal with these guys. And obviously, you're there as well watching all of this. So during the week, during the practice week, and then during the game as well, uh, what did you see from him compared to what your expectations might have been coming in? I, I'd say the biggest surprise was uh, what kind of athlete he is. You know, he came in, he measured at six foot seven. Wait, he was a little taller too. I thought he was going to be, you know, closer six five, six six range. But so he came in a little taller, and for a big guy, he really moves around well. And you saw that at the again. I didn't think he was going to run four or five something at the combine. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when you're around him, you see how light he is on his feet. You see the mobility. He showed that off a little bit in the game as well. He was moving around, and uh, I think he took one bad sack, but he was really back there moving around well for a guy six seven, you know. And then the arm, you know, it, that's the great thing about seeing quarterbacks play live. I mean, really, that's that's the one position when when scouts go out in the fall. Um, that's kind of how they prioritize what games they go to because you know a lot of in most of the other positions you can get what you need off tape, um, but with quarterbacks, it's really beneficial to uh, see them throw live and see how the ball comes off their hand. And uh, I think you can really gauge arm strength better in person. So it was great having him down at the Senior Bowl. I know he really benefited from it. And like you said, with all the coaches and everything like that, it's for the it's big for the quarterbacks because you know they get to sit in the meeting room, they they get to huddle and spit out verbiage, which um, you know not a lot of college quarterbacks are asked to do these days. They're they're taking all those plays off the cards, and um, so it, it's a great experience for the quarterback position. And you mentioned, I think, during the week there that you, you think he can be a third-round pick uh, come the draft, which is just over a month away now. And you know, there's been more stages to the process since then between the combine and then his pro day last week. Uh, so sort of give us your updated take on, on where you might think he will go in this draft. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it's really a, a different draft class in the sense that uh, it's kind of like Baskin-Robbins. You know, there's like 31 flavors of quarterbacks this yep. year in this class. They're all they're all different. You, know, you go from like Trace McSorley, um, 
you know, to Tyree and then, you know, Haskins today who had his pro day and Drew Locks tomorrow. They're all just kind of different guys. Um, but like I said, Tyree's handled this process so well uh, in terms of coming down to the senior bowl and, and throwing it like he threw it and then going to the um, – it's going to be interesting, you know, when that run on quarterbacks happens. You know, if it happens really early, maybe Tyree will get pulled up into the second. Um, but I think he's somewhere in that range, second, third round. And you had his, his teammate down there and Anthony Johnson, the, the uh, wide receiver from University of Buffalo, who was at the Senior Bowl and certainly seems like a guy who is going to be drafted at some point in April. Uh, same sort of question there on what you saw from him and uh, where you think he might be drafted. going through the full process um love his tape he is uh i guess the best way to say it he's got a pro receiver skill set he's just a pro wide out he's got a pro body um he's a good route runner he's really good after um which scout for years one of the things at the receiver position that that usually seems to correlate if you see a college kid that can do things that he can they usually become pretty good pros so um Really on Anthony. I know uh, it is pro day. I think he ran in the four fives, which for players that's plenty fast enough. And uh, yeah, he's so polished, going to be able to come in and help someone right away. Well, good stuff, Jim. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. Sorry for the uh, hiccups there at the beginning, as far as the connection. But uh, I'm sure that that Bills fans and, and people from Buffalo will be able to see you on air the next month here on ESPN and NFL Live, getting ready for the draft. And as you mentioned. Uh, the NFL draft coming up in April, late April, uh, from Nashville. So thank you very much, Jim. Yeah, Mike, thanks for having me on. Those uh, those fans up in excited about that build team. They're building a good thing up there. Definitely, no doubt about that. And uh, we'll be wrapping up the show here for just a few minutes as we uh, have Mike McDonald in studio, uh, the head coach at Damon. And as we mentioned at the top of the hour, Damon made its first Division II tournament this season. Uh, in school history, also a program record, 24 wins. Uh, unfortunately, ended with a, um, a little bit of disappointment in the first round of the tournament. Uh, you guys were up in New Hampshire and uh, dropped 72 to 67 to the University of New Haven. But just assess overall where you think this program has come uh, since you you've been there and, and what the future might hold. Well, you know, Mike, you know, you say it came to an end, and it it it, it never ends well. I mean, we all, all coaches, you, you start the season with a loss. You just don't know when that loss is going to be because there's only a few who get to win the national championship and win their last game, and it's a, it's a select few. And we, um, so for us to, when you lose, it's sudden. It's like, it's like a car crash, man. Everything comes to a screeching halt, and then you're like, oh, man, what do I do now? No practice? You know, right. we've been doing the same regimen really since late September, early October. Um, but – when you step back and you look at that, you know, f- four years, we've uh, we've only been eligible for the NCAA tournament for four years, and to get an at-large bid was a pretty special thing for mm-hmm. us. And to, to get to the NCAA tournament was great. Um, obviously, we wanted to go further. Uh, the team that ended up winning the region, St. Anselm, the host mm-hmm. team, we beat. Um, so, you know, you get that and you're saying, oh, man. And the team they beat to go to the, to the Elite Eight, St. Thomas Aquinas from our conference, we'd beaten them during the year, too. So, you see things like that, and you're saying, all right, it still forces you to be hungry for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So we had a very special team. We had an unbelievable team of guys who really were unselfish and wanted to win. 
Uh, we have five seniors who were, were a very good part of the team. We, we lose one starter, but we lose a couple other guys who were really uh, instrumental in, in our success, you know, and we, we have a good core of local guys. We have a guy like Breon Harris, who's from Niagara Falls. Quinn Lee Yaw, who's from Jamestown, who, who's graduating. Um, we'll lose him. But, um, you know, we have guys, Ryan Bradley, who played at Canisius High School. We've had, we have local guys. Trevor Book is from North Tonawanda. Um, so we have a good group of guys coming back, and I think they've, they've kind of tasted that success and they'll want to get back and try and get even further next time yeah I mean it's it certainly seems like Damon has gotten more into the conversation around here than when I first got here from from six years ago you have a team that is having success as you guys had and you can hear your, yourself on the airwaves and this is a team <laughs> that's that's out there people should be paying attention and for that matter basketball in general in, in western New York right now with what UB is doing and, and the UB woman as well um, so it seems like, you know, the future is, is bright for, for where you guys are. Yeah, we really are. We're excited about it. We have a really good administration who care from our president down. And that's really, when you look at good programs, it's, it usually starts at the top with the administration. People give the coaches sometimes way too much credit. And definitely in this case at Damon, the coach gets way too much credit. It was, it's the, we've had really good players, but we have an administration from the, the president, the athletic director, all the way down, the people who really help you. Um, and, and that's that's why Damon is successful. We have a uh, a great president, Dr. Gary Olson, our athletic director, Tracy Murphy. That are people who care about winning and but care about winning in the right way. And that's what Division Two is about. You're not going to see, hopefully, you know, the the sneaker scandals and the yeah, right. Adidas and people and coaches being suspended and, and and some of the craziness you see at times. Right, more pure. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up where we started, which was the. I don't want to say call it the big show to belittle you guys, but <laughs> well, it is the big show. Um, when, it bring, when it brings in over a billion dollars right. to the to the NCA, the big show supports a lot of little shows. Trust yeah. me. So if you are uh, filling out a last minute bracket before the games, the real games, the non playing games tip off tomorrow, and you're listening to our expert Mike McDonald. <laughs> Who should your final four be? Let's let's go over that. First again. of all, nobody's an expert at this thing. You can sit there <laughs> and true. say who is you know an expert. It's very uh, a lot of times it's luck and who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you go Duke. Um, I'll say Michigan because I'm partial to Michigan. Um, you know, uh, I, I think Tennessee is really good in the South and in the Midwest. I think Carolina. Carolina is going to be the eventual champion. I think. I think you could look at Carolina Duke and watch a rematch of that semifinal game in the ACC. And don't be surprised to see uh, Carolina maybe beat them. It was a very close game, and uh, Carolina learned some things. But you know, there's a lot a lot of games to be played. It's a lot of fun. Anybody who thinks they know exactly what's going to happen is lying. They have no idea. It's a, it's a, uh, it's, it's, I think, to me, this is the greatest couple days of sports coming up when you have the, the, the first two rounds on Thursday and Friday. And then you go Saturday and Sunday to get to your Sweet 16. And there are some crazy games. And so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think anybody really cares about my opinion. But I'll offer it anyway. I mean, if you're filling out a bracket and you're saying, what does Mike Rodak think, then you're probably in trouble. But I got Duke as well. I mean, everybody says, like Sully was in here before, saying the one and the two seeds aren't, you know, statistically, whatever the percentage was, 60% are going to make it. Uh, I think they're going to make it to the Final Four. I take Tennessee out of the South. I just I like their vibe better than Virginia. 
again, some of these things are just watching a game or two here or there. North Carolina, I, I have them going to the final. And He's I have copying Michigan. me, Bobby. He's copying. I know. Me. Except yeah. for Michigan. Oh. You're, well, uh, I said Michigan. I said up. Michigan. Oh. I, well, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But I, I have Michigan going all the way. That's that's our all. difference. Okay. Yeah, uh, I have Michigan over North Carolina. I hope you're right. Final. Just, I hope you're right. You know, I watched them pummel my Friars early in the year. Yeah. It was one of the uh, you know, the preseason yeah. tournament type things in, and, uh, in Connecticut at the casino. Yep. Yeah, in Mohegan Sun, <laughs> and it was they have that one or two big men who are just yeah. fast, mm-hmm. and they're going to crash the boards. They're going to run down the lane. There's something about them that uh, caught my eye and. Again, if you're going with my advice, then you're probably screwed. But <laughs> here we are at the end of the Tim Graham show. That really wasn't the Tim Graham show. That right. was really the Mike Rodak show. He made an appearance, but. We'll go back to being the Tim Graham show next week. Mm-hmm. A lot better without Tim Graham, right? Uh, <laughs> that's at points. It was Mike and Mike. There we go. Yeah, yeah I like it. Well. The Mike and Mike show. <laughs> that's, that's just the best. Nobody's that's, ever thought of that before. I know. Anyway, catch Tim Graham back here on 1270 The Fan next Wednesday, 4 to 6. I will unfortunately not be with you next week. Podcast available on Apple Podcast, TuneIn Radio, and SportsRadio1270.com. Buffalo's Best Grill is the place to go for all the college.